Well, good evening. It's a lot cooler in here, I think, than outside. Yeah. Right? Okay, so if you um, hopefully have a Bible with you, and if you will turn to Luke chapter 10. Uh, Luke chapter 10. We are going to do something tonight that uh, may be a little bit um, unorthodox or maybe even a little bit unexpected. We're just going to do a bit of a, uh, a brainstorm, if you will. And I want to just speak out loud, maybe some uh, some things that I'm working through in my mind, some things I'm working through in my head and just kind of work you through where I'm at. And then what I would really love is to get feedback from you or input from you as I go through these things about what I'm thinking correctly about or what I am not thinking correctly about. So here is the topic. Pace of life. So, pace of life. So, the busyness. So, a reoccurring topic that has come up over and over again in this church is busyness. And how busy we are and how you will talk to somebody and the question will go like this. uh, Well, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just really busy. Well, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just really busy. And then it's just busy, 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 busy. And then if you hear people, they will say, oh, I am just too busy. I am just so busy. Everybody, it seems like, the majority of people, they seem like they're very busy. And those same people, if you ask them, they say, I wish I wasn't as busy as I am. And maybe some of you in this room, you're like, you know what, Spence, I am way too bored. That's my problem. And for you, bless your heart. But the majority of people I talk to, they will talk about how busy they are. And they will lament. And they will um, opine about how busy they are. And it seems like they never have enough time to get all their things done. Um, For one of the persons um, that I think about quite a bit is Mr. Ron. And it seems like nowadays Mr. Ron is busier now than he was before he retired. And I don't know if that's true about you, Mr. Ron, but when I talk to you and uh, you, you talk to me about what all you have going on in your life, it seems like you're busier now than you were when you had a 40-an-hour-a-week job. And so the busyness. And so, so I, here I am, and I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, so I'm not the only person in the church that says I'm busy. And I'm not the only person in the church that would say that I feel like I am too busy. But what do we do about it? If you want something done, ask a busy person. <laughs> well, that's true. But what happens if we are, what happens if we're too busy? So here's some questions that I've come up with. Can I be too busy? How do I know if I am too busy? What is the problem if I am too busy? Is being too busy a sin? How do I become less busy? And, last question for me, is there an answer in Scripture regarding busyness? 
So those are some questions that I'm struggling with. So tonight, um, kind of what I want to do is we're just going to look at a passage of Scripture that I think addresses some of these questions for me. Um, if you have things that you see that you're like, oh, Spencer, you're not looking at that right. Or if you go, well, I've already thought about this and I've already got an answer for that, then I am all ears. Because, to be quite honest with you, at the season of life I am in, it's not like, hey, next week things are going to change and life is just going to completely slow down. I think about some of those individuals that uh, are do, do wheat harvest every year and they know that as soon as they start in Texas and they make their way all the way up to the Great Lakes and they get finished combining the last wheat, they are done. Now I'm not saying that their busyness is, but it's like, hey, we've got to the end. The work is over. But I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like I never get to a point where I am finished or I am done or I can look at myself and say I've completed everything that I need to do. It seems like every time I get something done, there's always something else in waiting. There's always something else to do. And so many times it feels like I am just going and going and going and I look around at people and I'm like, you know what? I don't know if this is healthy. I don't know if this is good. I don't know if this is something I should do. But then it's like, well, who's going to be the first person to stop? And how do you stop? And how do you get off? Go to the playground. And you got those merry-go-rounds. And when you're a kid, you want to get on there. And you want to go really fast. And then you get on there and you start going really fast. And you're like, I want to get off. Your options are pretty limited as far as how you get off. <laughs> There's not a lot of graceful ways to get off the merry-go-round once it is at full speed, right? Everybody can, everybody can relate to what I'm talking about? So you're sitting there and you're thinking, I need to get off, but you got all these other people that are like, well, who's going to be the first person? <laughs> and that's sometimes where it feels like I'm in a life. And sometimes I wonder, is this where I'm supposed to be at? Having this kind of pace, what I mean by pace is just the rhythm of life. Is this where I need to be? So, this is a passage that many times, or this is a passage that gives me um, fits. It's a passage that I don't think I fully understand. It's a passage that, one, I really don't like. If I was going to be given a spiritual eraser to mark things out of the Bible, this is one of those passages that I would go to and I would mark out of the Bible because I don't, I don't fully grasp it and I don't understand it and it just gives me consternation every time I come to it. But it's the story of Martha and Mary. So Luke chapter 10 verse 38. I want to read um, this story to you. Let's look at kind of at a uh, just break it down on what the story is about. And then I want to just kind of go through a time of uh, group therapy and let's let me just talk to you about where I'm at in this story. So Luke chapter 10 verse 38. Group therapy for me, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes. I need, I need lot, I need lots of work. I need lots of work. So, verse thirty-eight. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, 
Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So let's just, let me just break this down. Let me just walk through verse by verse and what is the story about. At the very onset, we see the stories about Jesus coming to His friend's house. Um, Martha is mentioned here. Martha and Mary is mentioned here in Luke chapter 10. If you were to go to John chapter 11 and even a portion in John chapter 12, you will see the story about you had Martha, you had her sister Mary, and they had a brother by the name of Lazarus. Through the course of the life, Lazarus died. Martha and Mary called for Jesus to come. When Lazarus was sick, he tarried. By the time he he got there, Lazarus had already died. The two sisters are distraught and in mourning. And as the story goes, Jesus then raises Lazarus from the dead and restores him back to his family. But as we see in Scripture, you have Mary and Martha and Lazarus who are identified in Scripture as being close friends of Jesus. We don't exactly know as far as if he grew up with them. There's lots of stuff that we could speculate and maybe lots of stuff that scholars may have come up with and in their, in their postulations, but we really don't know much about it except for Jesus comes to, it says, Martha's house. So we assume that maybe she was the older sister and that this was her house and her sister Mary and her brother Lazarus lived with her. We don't know exactly um, his profession. All we know is Jesus comes to their house. He comes to the house that is owned by Martha. And as he's coming in, the story focuses on the two sisters, Martha and Mary, and it shows us that the two sisters have two different responses to Jesus coming into the home. It says there in verse 40 that Martha was distracted or she was busy serving. She was busy. Uh, Jesus, he didn't travel alone, so he had no doubt an entourage. He may have had the 12 disciples. He may have had more people with him. And so in that setting and in that culture, hospitality was a big deal. So Jesus comes into town. Jesus says, hey, I'm going to be at your house. This is before text. This is before emails. This is before that he could have let them know electronically a week ahead. This is where I'm going to stay. I'm assuming they didn't have Motel 6s. I'm assuming they didn't have places for him to stay so he'd go to their house. So you get there. You're a woman of the house. This is your place. Now you get to host Jesus and the people that are with him. So what is Martha doing? Martha is busy working on a meal, working on accommodation. She is busy trying to be the hostess with the mostess. Then you got Mary. <laughs> Verse 39. It says, Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So while Martha is busy serving, Mary is busy sitting. So then what happens? So then Martha, this is verse 40, Martha then goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, why don't you ask my sister to help me? She's not doing anything. She's just sitting there. Why would you not look at her and say, you need to go help your sister fix 
the food. You need to go help your sister make up the beds. You need to go help your sister take care of the hosting. Why don't you do that? And then Jesus' response is in verse 41. And what I find fascinating is that Jesus does not rebuke Martha, but He commends Mary. So He looks at her. Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. He doesn't say you're sinning. doesn't say you're wrong. doesn't say you're bad. doesn't say, oh, see, you're just missing the whole point. He doesn't rebuke her and He doesn't condemn her. But He looks at Mary and He says, He commends Mary for her choices. So I come to this story. And this story causes me angst. Why? Because way too often, I am Martha in the story. I am the Martha. I see the tasks that need to be done. I see the needs that need to be done. I see everything that needs to be done, whether it is in church, in home, in society, at work, I see the task, I see the responsibility, I see the obligations they need to be done, and I find satisfaction in work and productivity. If I can get to the end of the day and I can point to something and I say, I was a part of that, there's a certain satisfaction. Now some people say it's a guy thing. I don't know if it's a guy thing only. I've never tried it from a girl's perspective, but I have been told that there's a certain satisfaction. If all I do is sit at a desk all day long and read, it's hard for me to go home feeling like I've accomplished anything. I want to be able to look and go, you know what? I started off with a stack of papers that was 10 inches high and now the desk is clear. Or I want to be able to go home and I want to be able to say I started with the the grass of the yard that was this high and now it's back to being this high. I mean, I want to be able to look at things and be able to say I can I, I, I find satisfaction off of work and productivity. And I'm often anxious, like Martha, about many good things. In the in the story, what is Martha anxious about? Serving. Serving the people. That's right. Which is, a good thing. Which is a good thing. She was anxious about taking care of Jesus. She was anxious about being a good host in that culture, in that context. She was anxious about making people, sure people were fed, making sure that people were welcomed, making sure that people were cared for, making sure that people um, had their needs were met. Martha comes in and she is anxious about many good things and I find myself thinking to myself, you know, the things that I find myself busy with, they're not bad things. But at the same time, to be honest with you all, there are also times that I find myself anxious with, you may call it worldly things, you may call it human things, or maybe things that aren't necessarily spiritual in nature. We find ourselves, well I shouldn't say we, I find myself busy with Needs of the house, thoughts of retirement, vacation, government, politics, things that are going on around us. We start looking at the culture and going, what do we do? What do we not do? 
Do we go all run and, and, and go hide? Do we build a bunker? I mean, what, 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 what is our response? What do we do? And I can find myself being busy with a lot of things that are not spiritual in nature. You get on the computer these days, you can take off looking up stories and articles and you can find yourself in a very quick rat hole of conspiracy. And it's not all conspiracy if it's true. But you can find yourself in a whole sense of direction of trailing off, chasing down things, getting information, gaining knowledge, and at the end of it, it has has made no spiritual impact in your life except for burning the last six hours of your life. But yet I find myself many times like Martha, anxious about good things. But then if I was to be honest with you, there's also times that I find myself anxious about things that aren't spiritual. But they all, if you're like me, they all have a way of blending in to one pace of life. Sometimes I wake up and it feels like when I open my eyes... I do not have time to stop. Here I go. I got to get up. I got to get ready for the day. I got to get out the house. I got to get to work. I got to get these tasks done. I got to get these things taken care of. And then I'm trying to get off of work, out of work, away from work in time to get home. And then I've got responsibilities home. And I need to get this taken care of. I need to get this taken care of. I need to get this taken care of. And then by the time you get boys laid down, by the time you get a little bit of time, now it's like, hey, I need to go to bed because I need to get sleep so I can get back up and do the same thing. And it's like you get to the end of the day and you find yourself in bed and you start going through the list of all the things that you didn't get done. And all the things you meant to get done. And all the things that you tell yourself you're going to do tomorrow. (laughs) And you find yourself in that constant loop. And you're on that merry ground going around and around and around and around. So here's where I'm struggling at in this passage. Jesus doesn't tell us. Martha doesn't tell us. But I wonder how much of the things that Martha was anxious about were man-centered versus spirit-centered. So Jesus just looks at Martha and says, Martha, you're anxious and you're troubled about many things. He doesn't say whether those are spirit-centered things or man-centered things. And when I'm talking about the good things versus the unnecessary things, the good things versus the trivial things, or the good things that, uh, that are pointing you back to God and the other things that are meant to be distractions to get us away from God. Because there's so many things in this world that will get you and I chasing off in a thousand different directions that really have no spiritual value in them. But we'll chase off and we'll move off in directions and we're here we are, we're just running as fast as we can and we're not pursuing the things of God. So he doesn't really say, Martha, you're troubled about man-centered things or Christ or spirit-centered things, but we just know that sometimes maybe you, me, for sure can say, I can identify with Martha. I go and I go and I go. And I feel like what I'm doing is necessary. I feel like what I'm doing is needed. I feel like what I'm doing has some kingdom value. And I feel like it's a responsibility for me to serve in this capacity. And so I can identify with Martha. But she's not the only one in the story. Because she got married. Sweet, innocent, little Mary. 
And I don't know if it's a firstborn trait. I think Tucker and the rest of my siblings would say it's a firstborn trait. I don't think it. I think the firstborns get a bad rap. I think. I think it's just being a a, a, a godly older brother. But I, there's there's a certain aspect where I look at that and you go and think to myself, well, you know what, Mary? If you would get up off your carcass and help your sister Martha, maybe your sister Martha would have a little time to sit down with you after your work's done. That's not what the story says. <laughs> That's what I wish. I mean, if you can let me erase, erase it and then rewrite the text, the way I would rewrite it was, is Jesus would look at Mary and go, Mary, get up and help your sister. And then both of you, once the work's done, both of you can come sit down. But that's not how this story goes. Or you look at Mary and go, Mary, you know you need to help your sister. Are you planning on eating Mary? So why aren't you helping Mary? I have all these things from Martha's perspective of going, I just want to... Get a hold of Mary and just say, what is your problem? But it says in verse 39 that Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to His teaching. It doesn't give any indication that she helped Martha serve, that she helped Martha prepare, that she helped Martha get ready. So here's the way that it works in my imagination. Jesus is in there in that room. And He's sitting in the chair and there's a whole group of people. And they're all sitting around there listening to what Jesus has to say. Martha's in here in the kitchen. She's working a thousand miles an hour. She's got sweat pouring off of her. Three stoves going full blast. Ovens going full blast. She's just busy, busy, busy. She's just work, 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 work. And the whole time she's looking through the partitions move. She's looking in there and all she sees is her sister just sitting down there. Just got her coloring book and her crayons out and just listening to Jesus. And in the story I find myself conflicted because I go, I don't like that. But notice what Jesus says about Mary. He commends Mary because she has chosen the good portion. So here's how the way it translates in my mind. Martha was concerned and she was anxious about the service and about the works and about the actions and about the things needed to be done. But the way that I interpret Mary as being presented in the passage is that Mary was concerned about the person of Jesus more than she was concerned about the service to Jesus. So not only do I find myself identifying with Martha... I also find myself trying to be Mary. How do we do that? Well, we do it in our quiet times. Every single one of us that's a follower of Jesus should have a daily time that we set aside to get in God's Word and spend time with the Lord and listen to His Spirit. That's a way that we pursue and try to be like Mary. We do it through Scripture memory. Memorizing God's Word. Placing God's Word upon our heart. Placing God's Word upon our minds. We do it through spiritual disciplines like prayer and fasting. And by pursuing the things that Christ has told us to do, we are 
demonstrating a heart of Mary saying, you know what, I am going to prioritize not the work and not the busyness, but I'm going to prioritize the presence, the intimacy, and the fellowship with Jesus. Because when I come to this passage, when I come to this text, what Mary is doing is Mary is going, you know what, I think Jesus can make His own supper. He doesn't need our help. I think Jesus can make His own bed. He doesn't need our help. The greatest thing for me, and this is just me thinking about maybe Mary's mind, the greatest thing for me is not to be in there and worried about supper. The greatest thing in my mind is to be sitting here in His presence closer to His heart. So not only can I identify with Martha, but I find myself on a daily basis thinking, I need to be more like Mary. But the battle for me is that I struggle with practicing the devotions of Mary while having the priorities of Martha. I want to be close to Jesus. I want to be close to my spiritual disciplines and my walk with Jesus. But my priorities are more aligned with Martha's. So then the response is, is that my spiritual disciplines begin to wane. So my daily quiet time becomes a minimal, minimal thing. And it's not like I come and open my Bible and say, I'm I'm here until the Spirit's done with me. It's, I'm here for five minutes. Let's go. My Scripture memory becomes lazy. Prayer becomes sporadic. Fasting is ignored. Evangelism, discipleship, they're all neglected. Even though I say that I want to have the devotion of Mary to sit at the feet of Jesus, I have the priorities of Martha, and so all I'm worried about is the task and the service and the work, and I'm missing that opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus. So where I'm at right now in my thinking process is... The concept of being busy is not the question. The state of being busy is not the problem. The question is, the challenge is, the problem is, I am trying to do both at the same time. And I am trying to practice the devotions of Mary while having the priorities of Martha. And you may say, well, okay, so what's the problem with that? Well, we don't have any kind of category that Jesus gives us on how you do both of those well. Well, Spence, (laughs) I, I, I know, I know. If I don't pursue these tasks, then these tasks don't get done, and then therefore my work does not get done, and we start coming with all these excuses and justifications about why, why all of this stuff is lacking. I got it! I get it! But when I stand before God, 
What's going to be the most important thing? My knowledge of Him. My maturity in Him. My pursuit of Him. Or my to-do list. That's all checked off. So I come to this passage and I don't like it. Because I wish in this passage Jesus would have rebuked Mary and commended Martha. Or, or Jesus would have condemned Martha and praised Mary. But He doesn't do either one of those. He acknowledges He acknowledges the burden of Martha while commending the heart of Mary. So where I find myself today as I am still trying to sort this out of my head and and think through some of these things and and ponder on where where I'm I'm at and and where, where does the Bible... What does the Bible teach and what does the Bible show and where should we be at scripturally when it comes to the pace and the, the just the rhythm of life? Where should we be? I find myself going, yes, I can be too busy. Be too busy on the things that are man-centered and not spirit-centered. I don't think I can be too busy if it is all spirit-centered. I think about Paul and his missionary journeys. And as Paul is going from town to town to town, Paul didn't get down there to Thessalonica and it was like, hey guys, I've hit my eight hours, I've got to go rest. I didn't see Paul saying, hey guys, I've got a vacation coming up, I've got to leave. I, didn't, I don't see Paul anywhere in Scripture going, hey, I, I'm out of hours, I need to stop. The ministry was constant. The same way with Jesus. The ministry was constant. Kevin George talked about a couple of Saturdays ago about how the, the busyness of life and the pace of life. And it, was, it seemed like Jesus was, was never in a hurry, but He always had something to do. So I don't think it's a matter of... I don't think it's a matter of the busyness. I think it's a matter of what is the busyness motivated by. Yes, I can be too busy if my priorities are not focused on Jesus. And I know when I'm too busy when I am not pursuing after Jesus. So here's what struck me this week. One of the things that Mr. Apple did on this phone was he put a feature in here that you could look at the end of the day on the screen time. And you could slide it across there and you could look at exactly how much of your day was spent looking at this rectangle. It will, it will tell you how many times you picked your phone up and wonder if somebody texted me, set your phone down. It, it'll give you all the data that you would want to know how, many, how much time you spent looking at this. We got some boys. And the way that their cell phones are set up is that dad has an opportunity to get on there and to look at how much time they're 
spending on the phone and text messaging. Their, their phones, all they do is text and call. They can't get on the internet. They can't get on any kind of uh, social media apps. So all I can do is I can see who they're texting and I can see what they're texting and I can see who they're calling and I can see how long the phone calls was. And, and I, I found myself just this week and uh, doing my fatherly diligence to uh, keep them accountable and I had one <laughs> one knuckleheaded son <laughs> And in a 24-hour period, he was averaging a text every 15 minutes. And I think to myself, oh my gracious, how in the world can you be that much just engrossed upon your phone that you're spending that much time on your phone? And then I get to the end of the day and I'm laying there in bed and I swipe it to see how much time Dad spent... Dad needs to be careful (laughs) about throwing rocks when he lives in a glass house. (laughs) But that's what we do, right? So we've got this, and so this just this week, I'm pondering to myself, okay, so when it comes to the pace and the busyness, and I'm looking around going, oh man, I'm just so busy and I just don't have any time, and then I think to myself, well, Maybe it's I've got the time, it's what I'm doing with my time. And so I look at my phone and how much time I spend on my phone. And then I find myself thinking, okay, so what if I was I spent as much time on spiritual disciplines every day as I spent on physical disciplines? What if I spent the same amount of time in the day, either in my Bible, scripture memory, or prayer, as I do sitting at a table? The Bible talks about tithing. The Bible talks about giving of your time and your talents and your resources to the Lord. What if I said, you know what, every single day I'm going to tithe my 24 hours in spiritual disciplines of God. And so every day I take 2.4 hours in spiritual disciplines. Some of us would be like, well, that's just crazy. (laughs) Yeah. But is it? I don't think it's a matter of for me, right where I'm at right now I I don't think it's a matter of being less busy I think it's a matter of being more focused on Jesus more focused on my spiritual disciplines, more focused on the intimacy the spiritual intimacy I have with Christ and the sin I'm still working through this, and so please don't hold me to it. I'm still working through this. Not necessarily that busyness is a sin. It's the fact that when I'm busy on man-centered things, then I am more consumed with the flesh than I am the spirit. And then sin becomes the result of not being focused like I should on the spiritual things of Christ. So it's not necessarily the busyness that's the sin. It's the effect and the result of the busyness chasing the things of man that then leads me into sin because I am distant and I am dry and I'm lazy in my spirit. So the answer then is not the what, but the who. Yes. So, so who am I pursuing? So I, so I wake up in the morning, and all throughout the day I keep track. I keep a time log. I get to the end of the day, and I think, okay, so out of my day, 
Who was I living for? Well, I had to get up, go to work so I could pay the electric bill. So there I'm living for me and my family and the comfort that we desire. All right. Well, then I get off there and I, and I do this. I mean, there's all the, the question of it's not the, the task or the things that I'm doing, the what. It's the who am I living for? And you could say, well, you get up and you go to work and you're bringing glory and honor to God. Yes, those things are true. But at the same time, many times the busyness is self-imposed. Yes. I'm trying to think how to say it. So you need to incorporate more God in that business. Yes. That's what you're saying. Yes. So how do you go about doing that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, ma'am. So that that's that's the that's the big question. Well, how do I squeeze more things into my time? So how do I, if I know that I have got these 20 things that need to be done, well then how do I make time for 10 more things that are Christ-centered? You prioritize. You prioritize? What's more important? What's more important? But how do you prioritize it? you got to make money to keep your family. Yes, ma'am. And, and then you got to prioritize so you'll know God and work for Him. Yes, ma'am. So you got to work out something to blend them together. Yes, ma'am. Okay, I no, I, I agree. In the 1500s... process all this. I... <laughs> I'll preface my remark by saying I'm the world's worst procrastinator. The world's worst or the world's best? Worst procrastinator. I procrastinate. So you're the best. Tomorrow we'll put it off. So you're you're the best procrastinator. Well, okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I mean, because the worst procrastinator would do what needs to be done now. Well, I'll wait. Okay. I'll put it off as long as I can. Okay. So you're the best procrastinator. But we're told in all things... Give glory to God. Right. So whatever you're doing, if you're out digging that ditch, you can say, here's another shovel for you, God. Here's another shovel for you, you know. Praise the Lord. I've got a job. Sure. Can't we incorporate our, our praise of Him and whatever we're doing? We can. It's hard, it's hard to remember to do that. I, I've come to the conclusion my insomnia is because God's waking me up in the middle of the night because it's the only time He can get my attention. It might be. It very well could be. And He gets it. Good. So in the 1500s, Martin Luther, who was a very large figure in the Reformation of the church, he was quoted as saying that he had so much to do that coming day that he needed to wake up two hours earlier just so that he could spend more time in prayer because he had so much to do that day. You, uh, yes, ma'am. You got to have sleep, but I think for many times, for me, and I'm not going to put this off on you, but for many times, for me, when life gets full, the first things that get sacrificed are spiritual disciplines. And now, now you can use your smartphone device and it'll read the Bible to you. And so now it's like, oh, I'm reading the Bible. Well, 
eh, yes, you are. But I mean, we're, we can we can now multitask, and we think we're doing more things than ever. I'm going to defend that. If you can't see to read anymore, it's good to have it to listen to. I, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. But there are times whenever I will tell myself, well, I am not going to take the time to sit down and read God's Word. I'll just listen to it as I'm driving down the road. And that's not a bad thing. It's just... How far am I willing to minimize that spiritual discipline before I'm just going through the show? Because now you can, at least on my device, I can speed this thing up so I can listen to audio content two times the normal speed. Sometimes I can listen to stuff at three times the normal speed and you're just like, what? Can you think of all the more stuff you can you can consume if you could speed it up? I mean, imagine how much faster you could watch the entire series of I Love Lucy if you could speed up I Love Lucy. I mean, most of you realize this, but you can speed up YouTube videos. First thing I do, I pull up a YouTube video. I'm speeding, I'm spooling that sucker up, and I'm just thinking because I can get through more in a in a, in a faster pace. Sometimes faster isn't better. Sometimes faster isn't better. That's right. But where I'm at right now is I don't think that my greatest challenge is the number of things that I'm responsible for. My greatest challenge is the health of my spiritual disciplines before God. Because those are the things that quite often stop first. So I find myself at this passage in Luke 10 just going, does this passage talk about my busyness? I think, I think it talks about the busyness of all of us in our, in our pursuit of Jesus. And, and then, am I being a Martha? Am I being a Mary? Is it wrong to be a Martha? What's so good about being a Mary? But at the end of the day, it's not a matter of how busy I am. At the end of the day, it's a matter of how much or how devoted I am to the spiritual disciplines of pursuing after Jesus. Because those are the things that keep me close to Him. Those are the things that keep me in tune with Him. Those are the things that matter more than so many other things around me. And so I find myself saying, I'm just too busy. I'm just too busy. I'm just busy. I'm just busy. The problem is, is when those things that I'm busy with take place of my pursuit of Jesus. So it's something I'm wrestling with, something I'm thinking through. So who else? Things that I'm missing. Things that I'm not picking up on. Some of you older people being able to tell me how to slow down. 